everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. A couple announcements. Beep, 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 beep. Or really just stuff that's going on with Patreon and Supercast. Just so you know, we've made a few changes. I don't know if we ever officially announced that we are releasing ad-free episodes a day early. We did. Okay, on Tuesdays. And now, once a week, I'm uploading our old episodes from our regular feed without ads. So you can start from the beginning and listen with no ads. And it's very fun. The episodes might be bad. Who knows? And then we are also going to have a live stream. Our monthly live stream is going to be this Sunday, the 22nd. Yay. I'm not sure what episode we're doing yet, but... I'll have picked it by then. All right. And I will let you guys know. So make sure you're checking your e- emails for Patreon and Supercast emails. Yes. It's going to be great. So this episode is called Killings in a College Town. And wow, this is the episode a lot of people have been waiting for. Everyone in the world was talking about it, except for Katie, because she's not on social media. So she didn't know much about it. Much. Uh, anything. <laughs> I purposefully did not. Yeah look at anything. So this is my first introduction to anything about this case. The thing I knew about this case was the guy's picture. Wow, that's wild. That's Okay, it. so I can't wait to hear what you have to say. I did not do any investigation. People would send me links a lot as this was happening. And I would occasionally see things like on TikTok. But I really stayed out of it because... I'm not an internet sleuth. There are actual people who do this way better, and I probably just would cause things to be worse. Well, we do have a special investigator that knows a lot about this case who we'll be speaking with, and that will be released for our Patreon and Supercast members, if you're interested. Yes. And his name is? Jake. Jake. Okay. Yes. Jake has been following the case since the jump, and so he knows quite a bit, and so I have some questions for him, and I'd love to ask him. Yeah. So I may have some as well by the end. I think you might. So this case is not yet finished. It's still ongoing, but there was sort of a race to get episodes out. Last week, they had 48 hours. This week was Dateline and 2020 on the same night. And guess who came out on top? I don't even have to say it. Dateline. I've got to watch the other ones now, too. I need to see how they stack up. I was just saving... My initial introduction to the case. Yeah, you for have Dateline. to with Dateline. Yeah. And I'm sure there are podcasts. I think I posted something on Instagram. Well, we know there's a podcast. We know there's well, a podcast. Well, we know there's a podcast because <laughs> there's one on the show, but there's a bunch of podcasts that have covered it too. They have to be. So, yeah. and there's a list of them on our Twitter because I was asking for recommendations from for someone else, but I said I'm waiting for Dateline. Yeah. So let's, before we get started, just a quick disclaimer. We only will know certain things that Dateline is telling us right now. So I, what I would recommend is that just don't think that we miss something. How we work here is we go through what Dateline is presenting us. We're not going to present. I think we need to say that every single episode because so many people are like, you missed this. But especially it then. with the major cases. And this is very clearly a major case. So I would say just know that we're we're covering Dateline only on this. We are covering the TV show. We are not covering the case. We are covering a TV show's coverage of the case, Yeah, if that makes sense. There we go. So this aired on January 13th, 2023. And a few people told me that last week I said 2013. And I think I traumatized a couple people because they felt like they were going to have to relive 2020 again. <laughs> you, you, you said 2013? I said 2013, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's wild. I'm just surprised I didn't catch it. All right. Yeah, 
I'm surprised I said it. This is season 31, episode 14, hosted by Keith, who does an amazing job. I think he's more reserved in this episode. He's less cheeky and less over the top. I think he should be. He's much more subtle. It is a serious, sad case with young people. And we should also say that right off the top. This is a pretty serious case. So if you're looking for a more jovial episode, you might want to pick a different one. This is a really serious thing. And it just happened. This is very fresh for everyone. And now I have to say the disclaimer that all murders are sad. But there are some datelines that are a little more lighthearted in tone. Of course. And this is not one of them. This is not But you could go and listen to maybe one of those episodes if this is your first time here. 100%. So it was a quiet morning after the night before. Yep. I can't. When Keith uses his word gymnastics, it was quiet the morning after the night before, which all mornings are. But I guess in this case, we know the night. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Why does phrasing like that confuse me? And is Keith doing it on purpose to confuse me? No, I kind of, I don't know. I kind of like it. And I liked that they doubled it with the zoom over the drone footage of the white town. So we are in Moscow. Idaho, which is spelled like Moscow, but it said Moscow. At least that's how everyone pronounces it. And this is November 13th, 2022. So this just just happened. We meet Martha, a very pretty college sophomore. She was going on this Sunday to Sigma Chi frat house to work on a group project on a Sunday. I was pleasantly surprised. These are not like the frats at our school. That would be doing group projects on a Sunday. Also, F group projects. I am always the one doing all the work. And so is Katie, I bet. I've blacked them out. I don't remember any group (laughs) projects ever. I was always bitter and felt like no one was pulling their weight except for me. I literally cannot think of one. I don't know if I've done one (laughs) besides like a play. I cannot think of one. Yeah, I may have missed those. What classes do you do group projects in? a lot in school in high school science english no this podcast is a group project though and you pull your weight so don't that's questionable okay (laughs) let's move along so they are waiting on hunter chapin who is one of three triplets that all go to the school did you know there were going to be triplets involved no because you knew nothing about this case but were you a little excited how do i feel about twins I know how you feel. You are obsessed with twins. So how do you think I feel about triplets? I think you f- that gif of Bobby Hill when he first drinks coffee. Yeah, pretty and much. If it's if twins are twice as so excited, excited, triplets are three times the excitement. Yeah, thrice excited. Yeah. So nearby, senior Katarina gets a mask text from the school, which is called a vandal alert because the college mascot is a vandal. Question mark. Why would you name... Is a vandal a type of a marmot? No. Do you know how they're yeah. like, like raccoons are called it. bandits or whatever? Yeah, no, I Googled it. So a vandal is... There is a historical reference, some Mayan civil or Greek or Roman something, but they're known for pillaging and vandaling, and that's where the name came from. So not a punk rock band? No. Vandal Alert would be a good punk rock band, though. But literally also all I can think of is the Hamburglar, who I feel like would be considered a vandal. Well, a vandal is more like damaging property, I think, and less stealing things. Or maybe it's both combined. Did the Hamburglar not do damage? He might have spray painted the walls of the places he stole from. So the texts say 
Waco PD is investigating a homicide on Kings Road. Stay away and shelter into place. Now, if someone wants to keep track, maybe Katie, of all the random people in this episode, we have so many. I'm going to guess for a while. 20. I did really well for a while. There, It's not even random people. Everyone's associated to the case. And it's great that they were able to get so many interviews. Very, very hard for a recap. I would argue so, none of them are associated with the case. But no, they no, have all of to. them are sideways to the case. There are I would say tertiary if tertiary, we're going to rings yes. of associated with the case. Because there's a gag order, they Correct. couldn't really get a lot of the people very, very associated with the case. But for not being able to do that, I thought Dateline did a fantastic job. Because yes. we got lots of point of view on this, which was great. Yes. So Katarina, for one, has maybe no association with the students, but she was at that school and she got the text. And that's what we needed from her. No, Katarina knew one of them, right? I don't think so. Okay. I think she was just Hard to at keep the track. coffee shop in her B-roll and she got the text. Okay. So Martha and her friends call Hunter and he says, I think Ethan is dead. Ethan is his triplet brother. My God. And they also have a sister. So Martha is very close friends with Ethan's girlfriend, Zana Kernodal. And she texts her, I love you. She doesn't know what else to say. She doesn't want to call and bother her. She just is, I love you. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. But then she hears that Zana is actually also dead. Oh, my God. And so Martha and her friends are standing outside the frat house, and they can see the house on King's Road, and they're watching all the cops and stuff, and they just don't know what to, what happened. She thinks maybe carbon monoxide, which is a really good guess. Really good guess. So at the same time, Kaylee Gonzalez's parents are hearing that their daughter is dead, which they don't want to believe. They call her best friend Maddie Mogan can't reach her and then the sheriffs show up at her house the parents house to announce that their daughter is dead so four are dead maddie kaylee ethan and Zana. but there were two roommates that had survived bethany funk and dylan mortensen now i think their names had not been released up until now so up until very recently no one really knew so Police are saying there's no ongoing community risk, which is insane. Why? Am I missing something on this? No. One expert says, well, maybe they thought it was a murder-suicide and there's no ongoing risk because the person is dead. I don't know. Okay, it feels even if you, presumptuous to say anything. That's my thought. Even if you don't know, I would just say, say nothing. Yeah. But don't say that. Yeah. Don't say that there's n no potential risk to anyone. Everything's fine. Yeah. Which also makes it seem like you have the person in custody. Mm -hmm. That's what I would think. What would you think if they said that? Absolutely. Okay. Or they were dead. Yeah. Or they were already gone. Yeah. So then we meet this local reporter who I would think is the most memorable reporter of all the reporters in this episode. And there are like 15 local reporters. There's two. There's two me his, very memorable. His name is John Webb. He looks like a brunette Ken doll. He does. He is so tan, gleaming white teeth jawline for days he is very well put together his hair is not one hair is out of place you could surf a wave on that hair because it's huge it's a perfect wave it was nice for the barbie movie producers to let him out of press junkets so that he could work as a local reporter he literally looks like a if you were doing sort of a perfect human i'm guessing mm -hmm. that's you would put john webb 
in like a science fiction movie and they created an android. I'm surprised he's a reporter. And what would you think? Maybe entertainment television? E.T. I could um, 100% see him hosting Extra. Something a Ryan Seacrest-y type yes. uh, host of American Idol, yeah. host of X Factor, something like that, where, but not just the five o'clock news at all. No. He's very... Mary Payne sent me a bunch of Elvis gifts. She thought he looked like Elvis. Oh, I I recorded with her this morning. I'm going to be on Pink Shade, guys. Hey! Look to it. it was really fun talking oh, about Love After Lockup. So, but I want to know from if there's any locals of this area, what do the locals think of him? What do they think of his hair? When they're watching the news, do they track its height the way you would track the height of your child on the wall with pencil marks? What do you guys think of him? Is he a local celebrity? Do he looks like a local autograph? celebrity. I want to ask for his autograph. He looks like a local celebrity. He's got to be. He looks like an international celebrity. He, could he looks like he's replacing Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> he looks like he's on his way to Bravo. Yeah. Give him a job there. Yeah. He's an NBC affiliate. Just move his, him into Bravo. This could be the thing that launches his career. Yeah. This Dateline episode. So Interesting. Everyone in the town is also, very by the way, incredibly well spoken. He yes, gives a great he does a interview. Great job. He does a fantastic job. He sort of does that thing where you sum up things very, very well mm-hmm. and don't repeat yourself. I'm impressed by that. He's good. Everyone in the town is freaking out. Classes are canceled. In a very touching moment for me, or a precious moment, Martha says all of the sorority sisters moved their beds in all into the same room and they just cried together. I thought that was very. That's very, so very sad. sad. Then we meet another local reporter, Haley Genthner, who went to the university and lived off of King's Road. And she's great, too, but just doesn't have she, her hair is great. There's nothing wrong with her hair. It's just not John Webb height or volume. So I, I have to say I didn't notice his hair at all. So you did not notice John Webb's hair. No, I liked Haley a lot. Yeah. She says it was the city's first homicide in seven years. So very safe area. Yeah. Now, then we find out what had actually happened to all four of them. They all four have been stabbed a lot. It's a very bloody crime scene. Ethan was a gentleman. So is that why people are, is that why this case, when did this case get so much press? Was it because they were stabbed? Or was was it before that was found out? It was four of them. And they're in college? And they're in college. And it's a safe town, and they were stabbed very brutally. Because I'm guessing what people are thinking is Ted Bundy. Am I wrong? Something serial killer-esque. They didn't have a suspect right away, so a lot of people started talking about. But really, four very young adults, like 19 to 22, 19, whatever their ages were, that's pretty shocking in a very safe college town. But again, isn't that exactly what Ted Bundy did in the nurses' yes. college? That when, he went in, when enough, he went into the house? One person said that since he left victim alive, maybe yes. that's why these two victims were left alive. Well, that's this is why I'm... But I'm wondering why no one says this in the episode. It's because a, it's the, such a conspiracy theory. It's just something the TikTokers say. They're trying to compare it oh, to I other feel, crimes. Oh, I feel really bad because that is literally the first thing I thought. No, because you know true crime really well. But that doesn't really have bearing on the actual case no it's just in my head was like is this person a copycat it was the first thing that came to my mind just because but also 
Ted Bundy is a fairly well-known, if somebody who doesn't follow true crime, they might still know who Ted Bundy is. Does that make yeah. sense? Just in the well, Especially same... because having their, no, that was Dahmer that has recently. But had Ted Bundy has also had a lot of stuff made about him. Was that Zac like... Efron one, Ted Bundy? Yes. Okay. It felt odd that it wasn't being mentioned, but now that I know TikTok has mentioned it, glad I could put myself in that camp. Great. <laughs> oh, goody. Goody, goody. <laughs> so Ethan was a gentle giant. He played basketball. He seemed like a really, really nice guy. His girlfriend, Zana, was majoring in marketing, and she was a friend to everybody. Very sweet. She worked with Maddie at a Greek restaurant, and they were roommates. Maddie and Kaylee were best friends since sixth grade, totally inseparable. Kaylee was graduating early and had a job lined up with an IT firm, so she had already moved out of the house and was just back for the weekend to have a sleepover with Maddie. Mm. So she wasn't even supposed to be there that weekend, which is a whole nother crazy level. So, But did Ethan live there as well? Or no, no, he was just sleeping over. So he wasn't supposed to be there either. Correct. So two but people But I think he was the there four. more regularly because okay. he lived at that school. Okay. So fame of the very worst kind had come to Moscow. And we see Lester on the nightly news reporting with a hanky. Thanks, Lester. And then we see a lot of world news p- reporters with accents reporting on the case. And locals were kind of upset that they were now famous. They had wanted their local gem of a town to stay hidden. And now they're known for the most horrible thing possible. Mm-hmm. Everyone on TikTok is talking about it. All the internet sleuths. Now, ever since that documentary, I have never been an internet sleuth. I would, should like to say I have nothing. I've never had a problem with internet sleuths until I saw that documentary about the Cecil Hotel and they saw how they damaged somebody's life. And I thought, wow, this can really get out of control very fast. Mm -hmm. So I think there's probably a group of very responsible internet sleuths, like the don't F with cats people. Mm -hmm. And then there's a whole nother group that make wild speculations and kind of say them as if they're fact. And then they go viral and it can, and then they start doxing people. Mm -hmm people they think are suspects mm-hmm. and sending them hate mail and hate full posts and death threats and things like that. So again, I don't think this there's a anything hard wrong with internet sleuthing, but there should be rules to it. There are rules with anything but else. how are there rules to it? I mean, it has to be self-enforced or in these groups, Reddit chats, that behavior should not be allowed. Is there someone monitoring it? or is it On Reddit, Reddit threads, there are. There's usually a moderator. On TikTok, there's nothing. So is there a punishment? See, this is, we get into this weird speech territory. You get banned, your account territory. gets banned. We get into this free speech. This is a mess. We're right. But again, land. TikTok is a company just like Twitter. So it doesn't they sure are, apply but, to free speech. But were these people, sorry, were these people doxing people? I mean, I think. Yes. The Twitter, yes. the TikTok people were doxing people. Yes. When they found their suspects, they were sending out where they lived and, That's you bad. know, harassing them online and telling everyone to also harass them, you know, and interfering with police investigations also. That which is like what happened in the Cecil Hotel documentary. It's really rough. 
there is like a really line that I think you really have to do it responsibly if you're going to be an amateur detective. You have to be responsible about it. Oh, of course. It's just how do you police people do it? Right. No. <laughs> That's the question. But yeah, yeah. absolutely. So we see a bunch of TikToks of people. Do, one girl's doing makeup while she's talking about it. And <laughs> Katie has thoughts on that. I don't. No. And so Keith calls it viralized speculation, which is full of shade when he says it. It's a really good term, though. Yeah, it's great. So then we meet some sort of action, not really actual detectives, but their podcasters, Lauren and John Matthias, and they host Hidden True Crime. And I could have sworn that we've seen them before. Well, I would think they would use them because they both have, they're both have doctorates. She was a journalist and he is a psychologist and he actually evaluated accused criminals for court. Okay. So So he's a PhD. No, he's he's a forensic. I feel like they're more qualified. He's a forensic psychologist. Yeah. I would use these podcasters. If yeah. I, I mean. And I think, so I think they've been in previous episodes. I couldn't find it in my notes, but I think they have. So he says that this wild speculation can be really, really dangerous. And some of the rumors out there were that Kaylee had a stalker, a spurned lover, that this was part of a cartel hit. Well, that's, I lo- uh, people really <laughs> like that one. They love that one. Wasn't that in a recent one, the Mexican Mafia? <laughs> Was involved somehow. Did the Illuminati get thrown in? Right, exactly. No, totally. I'm sure there are. I'm people sure doing it was. That. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there are people who are counting the letters that correspond with numbers in the victim's name. Numerology. And to get, I'm sure of it. There were psychics that had predictions on Twitter, and then people taking that psychic's word as if it was gospel and saying, "Well, the psychic said blah blah blah." So my goodness, what was worse was the police weren't really talking or saying anything. So, of course, the Internet is going to start talking. The police finally hold a press conference and they say, we have no suspect. We don't know anything. And a reporter says, you said there was no threat to the public. What the F? This is bad to me. Yeah. This doesn't build confidence. This was rough. And did the police, were they just not? communicating with in their own teams in their own district to be like hey we've already said that not to be worried so please don't come out and refute that in any way possible because that's going to make it seem like we don't know what we're talking about because we've already said this no and i actually respect that they didn't stick by their original assessment which was that there was no threat and now they're saying we don't have a suspect there is someone out there because that is putting the public on alert which they should be and Did they say it was a miscommunication? Did they say no, that shouldn't have been the statement? And they we spoke said too we soon? were going on the info we had at the time. That was the day of, within hours. There okay. was chaos. So some person probably said this was a murder-suicide or whatever. Somehow it was probably a miscommunication. And then somebody made the statement, there's no threat, don't worry. Or somebody thought, we don't want to panic people. Let's just say that it's, everything's fine. Can I, but I think it's better to be honest and to say, okay, there's someone out there. That so, is good for you. I wish more people felt that way. But unfortunately, I think it's not that way. I no, think you're thinking the right way about it. I do. Everyone was very upset with the police, but mostly because they weren't saying a lot. They weren't keeping in touch with the family and telling them things. And so they were just very, very tight-lipped throughout this whole thing. But they were doing the work behind the scenes. 
but no one knew that. So it looked like they were just being lazy and not doing anything. So the internet sleuths were like, well, we're going to solve this then. If they're not solving it, we are. Was there a victim liaison? I'm sure there was. I hope there was for the families. It feels like that's their job, right? To be like, hey, I promise you, this is what's happening. Do you know what I'm saying? That feels like a very important job in a case like this that suddenly becomes high profile, that you have someone, an intermediary between the family and the police. So the family feels secure and that this is what's happening. So even if they can't tell you exactly, they're giving you enough that you feel okay. Does that make sense? Especially because in this case, Kaylee's dad was being pretty vocal that he didn't think the police were doing enough. Right. And so then and that so, spurns everyone else too, right? Because a family member is doing and an intimate family member is doing that. Wait, okay, I'm I need you to hold really quick because I have a question for you. Why would they say it's a murder suicide if they knew it was knife? What in the world Nobody are you actually talking said about? that. This is just one guy on Dateline that has nothing to do with the case that speculated that's what they might have thought. And that's why they said it. Thank you. All right. That's all. You see what I'm saying, right? Where that's yeah, nonsense. Yeah, of course. There's, okay. All right. So the police say there's no forced entry, but people there didn't lock their doors, which still blows people's minds on Twitter. Every time they hear, Josh Mankiewicz was like, who isn't locking their doors? I love that Josh Mankiewicz is like a fan that's watching the episode that Keith is hosting and tweeting along. It's very funny. The podcasters think that the killer came in, killed Ethan and Xana just to eliminate the threat, but that the real goal was getting to the bedroom where Kaylee and Maddie were, that Mm. he was interested in one of them. And there's no sexual assault, but the a spiky-haired former investigator, and I didn't catch his name, there's so many investigators, says that this means the motive wasn't sexual. But the podcaster says, no, no, no. This might just be he realized there were other people in the house and he didn't have the time or privacy to do that. Okay. All around the town, there were vigils. All around the whole state of Idaho, there were vigils every night for these victims. This is really every parent's worst fear is sending your kids away to college. You're sending them away for the very first time. You're so proud, but you're also so nervous. They're going to live on their own for the first time. And then this happens. It's, I think, every parent's worst nightmare. Oh, yeah. I can't even imagine. Wait, sorry. Are we going to talk about the knife being released? That info being released? They released that it was some sort of sharp knife. A serrated knife. Yeah. Which seemed to be the big deal. That, that this guy, whoever came in, was using his own knife. Right. But on the same token, we would really guffaw if someone... That's not the right word. Yes, scoff, we would. We would guffaw and scoff. If someone came in and didn't have their own weapon and was going to use one in the house. So we would be like, yeah, of course they brought their own weapon. But the podcaster say he was proud of that knife. That's that what I thought was the most interesting thing. That- a big deal, a big, strong, scary knife. The Dr. Matthias said was yeah. that thing about him wanting to prove that he can use his own like it, that was part of it. Yeah. Using this big kind of crazy knife. Yeah. So the house had regular parties. So there would be DNA everywhere. And in the months before oh, this is in November. So throughout mm-hmm. the whole school year, really, there had been noise complaints where the police had to come and the body cam footage still exists, which I think is 
amazing. And so on one of them, we see Kaylee on the body cam footage apologizing to the cops for the party. The next noise complaint, no one who actually lived there was at the house, which is crazy. But that's, I think that happens in college. That's towns. college. Yeah. If you have a party house. Yeah. I never lived in a party house because I did not want that noise and grossness all the time. No, but I did live in a party apartment for like one Sorry, I was trying to summer. think. Did you live in a party apartment? I did. I lived in that one apartment that was yes, a party apartment. You yeah. did. Okay, there we go. But only for a summer. So Still counts. They call Kaylee on the phone and say there's a party here. And she apologizes and says she's frustrated too that Aww. people are partying at her house and she's not there. I was thinking, who is calling the cops? Because this is a college town but then i remembered there are people who actually are studying med students whatever and they are hating the fact that they live next to this house and they're calling the cops all the time the next night there were two more noise complaints on the same night these neighbors really hate them and and this is not sorry this is a little bit down from sorority row right so this is where people go sort of after you've lived in the sorority house for your last little bit of classes before you graduate right yeah oh my god could you imagine the people that own that building (laughs) having to clean it there's no security deposit no and you're paying like 1500 minimum to get in there a piece Uh uh-huh security i would that's what i would charge Mm -mm. so the weekend of the murders there was another party on friday night and there were at least 150 people there so just dna human excretions are everywhere do you remember how gross the party houses were at college like there i remember like couches that were brought in off the street that they never bothered to spray or clean they just brought them in off the street and then that was where people would sleep and bottle caps and red solo cups and just sticky everything sticky and in the bathroom it's just like black grime in the shower and the toilet it's just disgusting yeah, that's college. Yeah, so they're not finding DNA in there. No. Saturday well, night. Well, they are. They're just finding a lot. A lot. It's so over, much DNA. It's, it would break the machine. Yeah. The whole house, as they would say, lit up like a Christmas tree yes. when they sprayed it with luminol. Contamination. Yeah. Contamination Contamination station. station. <laughs> yeah. So the Saturday night, which was right before the murders, Martha was at a party with Ethan and Zana. Meanwhile, Kaylee and Maddie were at a downtown bar called the Corner Club. And after, they walked to a food truck called the Grub Truck and got food. At 1.49 a.m., one of the girls called a fraternity member who was assigned to help students drive home safely, a rideshare program, which is awesome. Yeah. They got home safely at 1.56. Ethan and Zana were already home. So again, it's so painful because they... These victims did everything right. They got a safe ride home. They weren't drinking and driving. They stayed what together. Their parents say. Yeah. They were in pairs. Oh, it's so rough. It w- there wasn't a thing where it's a, what's that called? The high, not high, high victim. lifestyle. High yeah. They weren't doing high risk behavior this night at no. all. They were doing what they were supposed to do. And mm-hmm. they were sort of in public, in well-lit spaces. There were lots of people around this food truck. It wasn't, mm-hmm. everything was fine. And then mm-hmm. they waited in a public, well-lit spot for their ride to come. Mm-hmm. <sighs> then before 3 a.m., a couple blocks away from the King's house, police respond to a call, and it's an alcohol offense with some underage bags of wieners. Who could not be more obviously underage. So I was underage, dying. so bags of wienery. 
I was now remember, I don't know about this case. Right. So I thought that maybe they were they did it. <laughs> when I saw them walking in the but field, you had already I already seen like, the photo. But I couldn't but you can't see them very well. And I was like, right. it's one of those guys. Yeah. It's, it's one, one of those guys. guys is the main yeah. guy. Yeah. It, I was wrong. <laughs> but I feel bad because I did assume because they were maybe teenagers, they were nineteen, that yeah. they did it. I'm well, sorry. At the very I, least they were making fun of someone's outfit outside of a 7-Eleven. I'm sure we can guarantee At the very least, they were that. suspicious. Yeah. At the very least, they were douchey and not nice. So About they, something that night. Yes. And yeah. there's body cam footage of all of this. And on the body cam footage, you can hear a girl scream in the distance. At 312. Yeah. But the cops look into this and they say it wasn't related to the murder. How do you know that? I don't know how they know that. Sorry, am I just like, I'm just like the TikTok people. I know what I am. <laughs> so Keith says, nature abhors a vacuum. <laughs> and I said, are you calling me a whore, Keith? Social media sleuths created theories like spores in a worldwide Petri dish, which Ooh. is also what those party houses are like. Which is just also, if anybody's watched dishes. the rig on Amazon Prime, you're going to be like, oh, spores. That's all. Have you not seen it? No. Oh, go for it. Oh, you're going to live. Tell Joni. The rig. Amazon Prime. Okay. There you go. The online amateurs on Reddit and TikTok, they have found their first suspect to harass and go after. And that is Kaylee's ex-boyfriend, Jack. And the pictures they show of Jack, he's just like baby face, so smiley, just so kind of sweet looking, like he wouldn't hurt anybody. And... Kaylee's parents say he was just the nicest kid. They dated for five years. Oh, wow. And he would come over to their house and immediately take the trash out. Just one of those kind of kids. Although we've seen killers fake it and be very polite to parents. I was going to say, that feels too polite. It's <laughs> so they had broken up only weeks before and were kind of on a break. Let's see what happens. Maybe we'll end up together. That sort of thing. Oh, they had but just broken up? I missed that. A few that. weeks before. So the TikTokers thought, this is our guy. Oh, my God. So this poor grieving kid who is like, if I had been with her that night, maybe this wouldn't have happened. Maybe if we weren't on a break. Yeah. And then he's got people online attacking him. Yeah. Cool. That's real fun. Yeah. He would go to Kaylee's mom. And when they were grieving together, he would show her the DMs of people just sending him death threats and saying, No, stay off social. Stay off. Close down your stuff. Close it down, man. Kaylee and Jack had bought a dog together Murphy, a doodle, a cutie pie, and they shared custody of him. And Murphy was staying with Kaylee. Is Murphy okay? Please tell me Murphy's okay. Yes, Murphy is fine, but the intersleuthers, the web interweb sleuthers, let's go call them intersleuthers. They think he must have known the dog must have known the killer because otherwise he would have barked or he would have been killed by the killer if he had attacked him or something. There are a couple other things that Someone on Twitter pointed out there are parties there and people coming and going constantly. Yeah. So I think he was probably used to being around people and might not have done anything. And there are plenty of killers who won't kill an animal, but they'll kill a human. He could have been in a crate in a different room. Mm -hmm. You know, there's lots of stuff that could be going on. So, but interestingly, that night or early morning, Kaylee and Maddie had tried calling Jack 
10 times between 226 and 252. And so everyone is saying, why didn't he answer? But I was thinking more, why are they calling him? Because they're drunk. I thought they maybe they were drunk. But then again, I go into TikTok fantasy land and I'm like, what if they were kind of freaked out about something? Like they were hearing things outside the house or No, because we see them on video. Not at that time. Yeah. Oh, no, you're right. Before that. But I mean, at the food truck we do, but not when they were at the house. This was when they were at the house. And there was no message left for Jack? Yeah, I don't. We don't know. Okay. So, but they did have Ethan there and Xana. So, you know, if they were scared, I feel like they would maybe wake up Xana and Ethan. I feel like they also would have called a ton of other people. I think that if they had just recently broken up, then probably what happened is one of them got onto social media and he did some post mm. that they didn't like. So they were calling to confront him of like, why are you talking to her? Blah, blah, blah. Do you know what I'm saying? Totally. And been drinking a little bit that night. So that seems more that thing mm-hmm. where they saw something that he was out doing that night that mm-hmm. was disrespectful to their five-year relationship, blurgity blurg, something like that. There was this website called Texts from Last Night. Do you remember this? I used to look at it all the time. And it was people posting texts that they had seen on their phones from the night before that they did not remember sending because they were so drunk. And it's so wild. Like, bro, I'm sorry about what happened at 7-Eleven. I hope your pants are okay. I don't know. Just the weirdest stuff. Wow. Just hilarious. Are the cops looking for me? What happened? Wow. Yeah. I have never sent a drunk I can't text. believe I spat at Madonna on the street or something. I don't know. Just the weirdest stuff where you're like, what happened? What are you doing in your life? Wow. Is, wow. I don't think I've ever had that happen. I'm just me neither. square. Me too. I'm embarrassed. I, I know. can't think of one. I don't I let know. me know if you if I have and you I don't think so. No. So police announced that Jack is cleared, but online social media sleuths, they didn't clear him. So poor Jack, they're fully going after Jack. Mm-hmm. And then there's the food truck guy. So on the security footage of when Kaylee and Maddie were at the food truck, he's standing behind them and he does the He's sort of lit, just loitering and he does the or waiting for food, unsure. And I don't think he had ordered food. So he's just kind of standing there. And he, when they walk up in front of him, he puts his baseball cap on backwards and he puts his hoodie, pulls his hoodie up over his head. No, he puts his baseball cap on forward. Oh, forward. And then so puts his the hoodie bill up. will then hide his face. Yeah. So and it is very suspicious looking. It is super suspicious looking. And then when they walk off, he makes this hand gesture like, where are you going? Like, what's up? We yeah. were talking. And we're, then we're going to party. Watches them leave. And then he walks off towards the direction where they lived. Of course, police realize he lives also in that direction. So the sleuths find his mom's Facebook page. And there's a photo of him with a huge knife and a skinned animal, which why is that on your Facebook page? It's on his mom's Facebook page, which is the better question. Why is no it on one your wants mom's to see that, mom. Facebook page? So police announced that he's cleared. But again, the Internet sleuths did not clear him. So poor, oh creepy food truck guy who skins animals. He's just in the wrong place with the wrong kind of photos. Being online. creepy yeah. at the wrong time. Yep. Martha says the TikTok sleuths were the worst. She said you'd be actively grieving next to someone and then you'd look at your phone and people would be saying that they did it, which has to be a huge mind trip. You can't trust anyone. 
I don't understand why you're seeing that stuff. Stay I think off would Reddit. Send her. Friends would probably send her. This is what's trending now. This is what people are talking about. Why are your friends sending you that? I know. But they were hungry for answers as well. If I read something bad about you, I would not send it to you unless I thought it was important or I thought you were in danger. Does that make sense? I would want to know if the internet was saying I was a murderer. I would want to know. But would you want to know from me? But this would or be would like you want to know from a random friend that Stephanie you hadn't sending talked to you in a while? A TikTok video that is accusing me of murder, and she sends it to you to let you know. But I don't even think it is Stephanie. I think it's someone way further removed. I think yeah. it's someone we haven't talked to in a really long time. Yes, and wants to be involved. Does that make sense? That's who I feel like is sending this stuff. Mm-hmm. Who's like, yeah, I just, I, th- I just really thought you should know. You don't. Yeah. We haven't. We don't talk. You don't Thanks, really Tiffany. think I should know. Yeah. I don't know a Tiffany. Thanks, Lisa. I don't know, I don't Lisa, know a Lisa. Either. I know that's why these are great names. Yeah, <laughs> so. Let's officially close the sleuth area of TikTok. Can we do that? Unless, did no. they help solve Gabby Petito's I th- case? I think they have helped solve a few cases, which because is the problem. Because then I don't want to close it. I don't know what to do. This is, again, we are in a hot button issue. And I feel like people have a lot to say on both sides. Absolutely. But I would just like TikTok to let's just be maybe Lizzo dances and bags of wieners doing stupid stunts and cooking fail videos. I also like when there are therapists giving good advice and telling me that I am enough, like Dennis. Oh, I do like that too. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. That the internet is good at is connecting you with people who can help, like online therapy from the privacy of your own home. I love that I don't have to leave my house anymore to see my therapist. I can wear sweats with the hole in the butt, and she's none the wiser, but she can totally tell what's going on from the waist up. She is like a FBI agent reading the clues. It's like crusty around the eyes like she just woke up marking that down hair brushed no teeth brushed no how are you doing today what's going on and when she can tell that i'm struggling we focus on the good things that i have accomplished instead of what i haven't and we give myself grace the best one is when my only assignment that week is to be nice to myself that's should it be everyone's everyday assignment but i love when that's my only assignment for the week Therapy can be a great tool in your tool belt, and BetterHelp is convenient, flexible, affordable, and totally online from your house. If you don't click with your therapist, you can switch at no additional charge. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Dateline today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Dateline, because we can all use a little better help from your house with the sweatpants with the hole in the butt oh yeah i'm wearing them right now katie has no idea <laughs> thank you better help thank you better help and then keith says but as we say nature abhors a vacuum again yeah. did you he said it twice he's going with the theme was that on purpose or was that because this episode was put together so fast because this is all breaking news no i think it's on purpose you okay. keep is hearkening back He's a scholar. He is. He's a Harvard and a wordsmith. Man. Yeah, yeah. He, police we don't aren't it. talking that much. No, I know he didn't go to Harvard. He's a Canadian man. No, I just and, said we just don't question it. If he oh, does no, that, don't. it's on purpose. The yeah. end. Yeah. The police weren't talking very much at all. So there is a vacuum, and people will fill that vacuum with mm-hmm. a lot of talking. And 
Kaylee's dad, this is the point when he's so frustrated, he thinks it might become a cold case. He goes on Facebook and says, what are the police being paid for? What's happening? Because the police aren't talking to them. The police should at least assure them that something is going on, like you said before. Mm-hmm. Kaylee's family delays the funeral because they don't want that monster to be there feeding off everyone's tears. This is what the dad says. In case it is some sick person who is close to the family or close to Kaylee, they don't want to be looking around going, who is it? And that person enjoying watching everyone suffer. Just so twisted, but makes a lot of sense. It makes complete sense to me. I and fully I respect it. that. Yeah. He would three, want, not want th- that. Three weeks after the murder, the police make a public appeal. Finally, they're asking for help from the public. Mm-hmm. They want to talk to the owner of a 2011 to 2013 white Hyundai Elantra. And I was like, this is car blindness is actually dangerous. And if I were better, I could save lives. But mm-hmm. I'm bad at it. So I don't think anyone could. Lives. An Elantra is hard to pick out of a lineup. It's just a regular sedan, right? It just I, looks like, like a, somewhere between a compact. It's a compact white car. Yeah. Could be also, an Accord. Fun fact could be from an Twitter, Elantra. White is the most common car color is it yeah well that was what twitter said so who knows oh Oh, okay also red cars are only the second car to be pulled over the most white is number one and i always thought red was number one because we were told red was number one so maybe that's actually number two it's now number two because there are so many white cars on the road the sheer number of white cars exactly that's funny so Keith says the owner of that car was something so deeply shocking, had or had done something so deeply shocking that would have to remain a secret for now. And I was thinking, how can I add this to the bingo cards? Like, host dangles a carrot before commercial break. Something like that. I'll hmm. phrase it better. So c- c- Commercial cliffhanger. Commercial cliffhanger. I'm writing it down. I'm so excited because you know I'm going to lose it. So then we meet a good-looking young man with a dangling earring and a chin strap facial hair, but also wispy mustache. Mm-hmm. He goes to college 10 miles away across the state border in Washington, because Idaho and Washington, buttress. Not a buttress. Who didn't know that? Not I. I totally knew that from my state maps. Are you thinking of a flying buttress, which is in no, Renaissance architecture? Like Just that they butted up against each other. That's all I wanted to say. I do like buttress is a good term if we're using it correctly. We're Let's not. It's sure like a wall are. that divides two things, I think. But so what's a butts, flying buttress? They're butted up next to each other. I don't know. Where is that from? I feel like I learned it at the same time I learned Deus Ech Mahina. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was all learned at the same time. So uh, this guy's name is Austin. Austin mm-hmm. in Washington. And... Yeah, I don't right. know why we see him. He gets B-roll walking down the street. He says people were out looking for the car. That's all we get. No, we get him. something important from him. No, we don't. Austin gives us something important about parking services. He does. No, the other guy does. The oh, guy God. With the There's beanie. two of them? Yes. Oh, boy. Okay. The guy with the beanie. So then we see Lester again with no vest on the news, and he's announcing that they have found a car that they're very interested in. It's abandoned in Eugene, Oregon, and the car is destroyed. 
the whole front end is all curled up. And so web sleuths are all over it. They're taking pictures. They're going to the site. They somehow find out the VIN number of the car. And then they dox the owner of the car and say, this person must have done it. This car must be involved. This is, again, very dangerous to be doing. It I'm turns just, out this I'm is not I'm looking to car. see how far Eugene, Oregon is from anything. Sorry. Well, it's still Pacific Northwest. But I feel like, okay. Below Washington. Yeah, it's a it good... It buttresses to Washington, <laughs> which buttresses to Idaho. <laughs> we don't know if that's the right term. It's not. It's fully not the right word. I was trying... I was thinking of butted up next to. <laughs> <laughs> Eugene, Oregon's just very, very far from Idaho. It's by the coast. But it's been three weeks. The killer could have gone anywhere. There is footage that they have found. The reason they think it's this white car that they're looking for it is this white Elantra that they think is 2001 to 2013 drives past the house where the murders are three times in those wee hours. Thrice drives Thrice. past. Drove, and then on the fourth back. time, pulls up, like stops by the house. And then... 16 minutes later, drives off in a big hurry. Okay, so that would do it. That, that would definitely be the car sus. you're looking for. Yeah. yeah. At, the, at that time of night, right? Exactly when okay. they think the murders are. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, and we, when do they think the murders are? Around 4 a.m. So that's why they're discounting the scream at 3.12. Exactly. Got it. And the reason they have these times, we'll find out later. Mm-hmm. So we meet a freelance reporter in a beanie, or he goes to that college. Honestly, I was losing track. He goes to the college, and he's a freelance reporter. Okay, I think he's a reporter you. at the college. I think he reports for the for college. The college. He, but Or he's he wanted to be known as that on Dayline. He has a mustache and is wearing a beanie. And 100% lives in the Pacific Northwest. 100 If you put him in a lineup and said... <laughs> Who lives in either Oregon or Washington, I would point to him and be like, absolutely, without a doubt, that guy. I get that you're a quirky hipster from the Pacific Northwest. No, it's a look. It's a different look up there. The beanie with Keith Morrison on Dateline, I cannot. I cannot allow that. Is he in a beanie in his interview? In his freaking interview. He takes off his glasses. He still has the mustache and the beanie on the interview with Keith. I cannot abide by that. I'm going to say... That the only reason he's going to get away with this in my head is because just like the kids that were in the band in the episode I did with Jake, who were Mm -hmm. all in rock Mm t-shirts because they were in a band, this guy is a college student, almost reporter in the Pacific Northwest, and that seems correct. How mad is his mom at him when she sees the interview that he left that beanie on? I love him. I just want to ask him, like, why didn't you get our advice first before you came on Dateline? Because we would have told you that Beanie is unacceptable. He's not going like, to newsflash. We, he does not care. I about think it. he'd be friends with us. I mean, I think we could be friends. We're, we're theater people. And we love the Pacific Northwest. That skit on Portlandia with the birds. Put a bird on it. He was fine. Again, he's a tertiary person that we do not know why he's there. So the police had put out a be on the lookout to other law enforcement agencies two weeks before they had asked the public for help looking for this car. So they had been looking for this car for quite a while, but they weren't getting any results. So they asked for the public's help. Mm -hmm. But 
a campus cop with a heart of gold who would be played by Kevin James in a movie. He is at Washington State. He is a campus cop. And the this former FBI guy, who's one of our experts, he says, normally, I don't want to disparage, but these campus cops, they just write tickets. We're not expecting a lot. From the datelines we've seen where there have been murders or assaults on campus, they usually don't do the best job. Sorry, no offense. But it's true. On the datelines we've seen. I'm sure some are great. Yeah. So this guy was great. He sees the be on the lookout and he says, I'm going to check our parking registry system because everyone who parks on campus has a parking permit and their car is registered in it. So he looks for a white Hyundai Elantra and he finds one registered to Brian Koberger and it says it has Pennsylvania plates. He's a guy from Pennsylvania. He's a PhD student in criminology and a TA at the college. So another campus cop also does a great job and goes and finds the car on the campus parked in one of the parking lots. But it doesn't have Pennsylvania plates. It has Washington plates. And also, it's a 2015, not a 2011 through 13. But they go with their gut and they don't dismiss it and they turn in the tip anyway to the FBI and the Idaho police. Because how different, how possibly different can a 2013 right. be from, I'm not trying to disparage a Hyundai. I don't know anything no, about No, I them. agree. I think most sedans don't change that much. I think most non-hybrid cars yeah. don't change that much. I would not be able to tell you the difference between, and people are going to, oh boy, people are going to yell at us. But I couldn't tell Car you the homes. difference between a Honda Accord Right. From 95 to 98. Of course not. you know not. what I'm no saying? One I could. couldn't. So no. this doesn't make it. It's not going to be. I don't know why they're. There must be something about the shape of the headlights or yes. something that they're looking for specifically from 2011 to 2013. Yeah. But how clear is the footage? How clear is the footage? Exactly. It was in the middle of the night. So. And maybe yeah. they're just trying to narrow it because they're like, it's likely one of these models. They did models, have but. footage from a gas station near the murders. Got right it. after the time of the murders on a surveillance. Maybe that one was pretty good. Interesting. So okay. it winds up, this tip winds up on a list with all the other tips, probably hundreds, maybe thousands of tips. And imagine if that is your job to check out all the tips. And it turns out that one of them was the killer and you dropped the ball. You said, oh, no, this is you dismissed it or you checked it out and you thought the person seemed fine. I think that happens all the time. I, I think, think that's why in cold cases you go back over in painstaking detail all of yep. this minutia. I saw a, it was Scottish or British documentary about kind of a serial killer who got away with it for a long time. He had been checked out a couple times by like the people checking the tips and yep. they thought he seemed nice. If that anyone can quote, know what that documentary is. I thought he seemed nice. They thought he seemed nice. And they were like, oh, no, boy. I'm sure it's not him. And so they they dropped it. But then when someone came around and redid all the tips, Ooh. that's where it comes. So we meet another NBC correspondent. She is a woman. She's very cute. She has short hair and she's stacked jewelry. Mm -hmm. She calls Keith Keith. Immediately. But, from the jump. Which we, you know we do not like. However... I feel like they are colleagues. They are NBC colleagues. Every She's not a suspect calling oh, him Keith. No. Kimberly, every single person we've had on this episode has been an NBC affiliate. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say they have a personal relationship. They've met before. They've worked together before. And so that's why she's calling him Keith. And no other reporter has called him Keith. 
They may have, and we just didn't get it because we're literally getting one sentence from each of these people. But she was my other memorable reporter because I immediately got ruffled. <laughs> I said, excuse me. Miss, I was, familiar. I was fine with it, just for the record. I had a hard time calling. I would not be able to call. I don't think I called him Keith when we interviewed him. I'm sure you called him Keith. I'm sure I did not and avoided doing so. What I really so. don't like is if it's like a suspect. Yeah, I don't s- like that either. That's worse. But this is not great for me. <laughs> I'm allowed to have my things too that are inappropriate. You absolutely are. And it's inappropriate to me. So Nick, the guy with the mustache and the beanie, he says it's now finals week. It's almost winter break. So Brian Koberger's, Koberger's plan is to drive back with his car to Pennsylvania across the country. And his dad had flown out from Pennsylvania to make the cross-country drive with him, which people online thought was so suspicious. Why? They think the dad is in on it. They no, get real. They think the dad real. knows something. No. To me, my parents would totally do that. They'd be like, we don't feel safe with you driving. This could be fun bonding time, whatever. Wow. I th- could see them doing that. You have good parents. I would say no, but... You have very sweet parents. That would never happen in my line of work. <laughs> but I don't think it's that weird. I don't think it's... I don't think it's that weird at all. I was getting ready for them to be like, because they're getting ready to sell the car. That's what mm-hmm. I was waiting for. I thought that that's what was going to be happening on the other end in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Like, he was getting a new car to drive back. That's why mm-hmm. they were driving. Because what I didn't understand is why he's just not flying home. Right. What is the purpose of taking the Elantra home? That's a great point. And so that's why I was thinking, okay, they're about to sell it. And that could be, that could come out that that's what was about to happen, that he was not going to sell the car in the area because it was being looked for. He was driving Mm. it back to sell it in Pennsylvania, which would be smart. That's a great point. But again, we don't want to, I don't want to assume that are not true, but that's a great theory. I'm just guessing because I don't know why else you would drive a car across all the state unless you just really wanted a road trip, but it didn't seem like really from the road trip. No, because you have so few days on your winter break. I feel like you just want to get home and relax and then fly. You would, I would totally leave my car there. Well, they also weren't, it didn't seem like they were stopping and enjoying the sights. They were booking it across the states. Uh They were trying to hurry and get back. So, which makes me think there was a reason for the car to go back. How much cheaper would it be to drive across with gas prices? It's still going to be very expensive to drive across the country. And cold. And cold. And especially if you're staying at hotels, you have to pay for hotels. Yes, I have done it. So, I think, and wouldn't you have rather just flown? Yeah, if I could have. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I drove is because I had to. Yeah, it was your car. You had to have mm-hmm. your car. and I cats. had to have it. So here's my, how far was his school from the Idaho school, from Moscow? Close. 10 miles, I think. 10 miles. Okay. Yeah. Got it. All right. Wow, just across the close. state border of buttressing. Yeah. You just have to go through the wall of stones that is buttressing. That is the buttress. <laughs> <laughs> there is another word that I'm thinking of that maybe someone will remind me of, of the word that I thought I was using. So she's looking it up. So they drive through Colorado. They drive towards Indiana. And in Indiana, they're pulled over for tailgating. And we see the body cam footage. I can't believe they saved all this body cam footage. It is so amazing that we have all this. I think this. they have to. I didn't know it got saved for so long. I thought it got like immediately deleted. It wasn't that long. It was a couple weeks. Yeah, but I think they have to save it. I would say they have to save it for at least six weeks. 
That's interesting. But the parties had been a couple months that they had the footage from. Maybe it's six months. If it's court yeah. cases, think about it. Or maybe they just digitally save everything. They could. Because they, could they might need it in the future. Servers, yeah. Think about the Gabby Petito case, how much they used that footage. So, right. Exactly. So Brian is driving the car, and he, I don't like to say, is creepy looking, but he's so creepy looking. Well, he's not blinking enough. Is that part of it? Yeah. I don't like to say it either, but it's the first thing I noticed. Oh, he needs he, to blink more. He's very intense looking. and Yeah, we never see him smiling. Never smile. No. The dad is kind of being jovial with the cop. Oh, yeah. He's saying, we're, so, we're punchy. We've been driving for days now. Yeah. So then... They're let go, no ticket. Minutes later, they're stopped again. Hmm. No ticket again this time, which sounds about white. But people's theory is the FBI was checking in on them by having local police pull them over. That close together? No. They wouldn't do it that close together. They would maybe every state check in on them or something like that, but not just minutes apart. But is it just a coincidence that they were pulled over two minutes apart? The part that blows my mind is anytime I've been pulled over, I have driven so carefully the whole rest of the time I'm driving because mm-hmm. you're so paranoid and you're so relieved you didn't get a ticket, you know? Mm-hmm. You're just driving so carefully. But he's obviously still tailgating or doing something that gets him pulled over minutes later. What was the second pullover for? I don't Did know if know? it was still tailgating. I'm not sure. So they arrive in Pennsylvania in their gated community, nice home, ready for Christmas break. The police then get a huge break in the case. DNA from the knife sheath found at the crime scene was analyzed by forensic genealogist, genetic genealogist. And it gets them a name, like a match. Mm. Brian Koberger. So this is somebody that had done 23andMe or whatever, right? What, yes. Sorry, what are those, the, one of those genealogy sites? Yes. Wow. Ancestry.com, all of that. So they get a rush warrant for his cell phone records. His phone is very suspicious. The, it's usually on. It's always usually on. But mm-hmm. the time of the murder, the two-hour win, two window where they think the murder happened, it was off. Oh, man. And a few hours later, it pinged near King Road. And he goes to school in Washington, even though it's fairly close. He didn't have a reason to be there. And a few hours later, makes it think like he was driving by checking out the scene, revisiting the scene. It also pinged near the house 12 times in the months before the murder. And later we find out that Kaylee's family gets a private investigator who finds out that his phone was so close to the house that it actually connected to their Wi-Fi. Wow. Which is so creepy to me. And so 12 times he had been casing that house. His car is seen leaving Washington State and entering Washington State College right before and after the murders. The times line up perfectly. Mm -hmm. So the FBI is watching Brian's house. On December 27th, they pull the trash and they fly the trash across the country to Idaho State Labs. What kind of plane does, do they have their own private plane that the FBI, or is just going like with your luggage? FedEx. 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 There you go. She got it. Some of the stuff that that Ollie tells me that FedEx flies, you'd be surprised. I'm, that's so interesting. Like bodies. Yeah, like tigers. Oh my God. Crazy stuff. Wow, right? So the DNA they get is 
a match to who would genetically be the father of the person they think the killer is, who is Brian. So the DNA matches to Brian's dad, which makes sense because it's his house. December 30th, 50 agents. No, wait, wait, wait. No, it's Brian's house that they pulled the trash from. No, he doesn't have a house. He lives with his parents. He's visiting them for Christmas. I thought they pulled the... Sorry, I misunderstood this whole thing. Okay. Yeah, it's his parents' house in a gated neighborhood. So they didn't pull the trash from where he lives in Washington. Why didn't they pull the trash in Washington? Pennsylvania, because they can have eyes on him and see that that's their trash. Got it. And then they fly it across the country to Idaho. Crazy. To the state lab. So on December 30th, 50 agents from all these agencies swarm the house. They call it a dynamic entry. Which is sounds like what an acting coach would tell you to do if you're in a play. 100%. Or maybe a dating coach who's like telling you how to enter the room when you have your first date. Oh, my God. You want to be memorable. You want to make what we call a dynamic entry. <laughs> Hi, George. Head up. Chest out. Use your voice. Talk to the back of the room. Make George, I just love that jacket. <laughs> I just love it. That was dynamic. Was Very it dynamic? dynamic? Okay. So what it is in FBI, whatever terms, is they break the windows, they knock down the doors. It's like one of those surprise entries. And then we see FBI, former FBI agent Pam Flick, who we have seen several times, who Mm -hmm. I enjoy. Again, we don't get very much of her. She just says that this is something they do sometimes. So they arrest Brian. And the photo we see of him is with, I think it's a bulletproof vest. Yeah. For and, sure. But he appears to be shirtless underneath. Doubt it. I did not see a shirtless him. But there's, but the, it's covered with a vest. But there's no t-shirt underneath that you can see. Maybe they got him at night or in yeah. the early morning. Hmm. So a reporter in Philadelphia gets a big break. He gets an early call. It's a slow news morning. And someone says, you know, the Idaho murders that everyone's talking about. I know we're in Pennsylvania. <laughs> But they, I think they're arresting him. You can go break this case right now. So he gets in his car and as he's driving, he's fact checking and talking to his team, which is very dangerous. And he gets there and he gets to the No, he's going to the station. Poconos. Yes, he's going to the Poconos which to is, meet Baby, who can't be put in a corner. And I have been to the Poconos. <laughs> I was very excited. So he's standing outside the police station and he breaks the biggest story of the year. The mm-hmm. biggest story. Yes. of It's huge. The year. Yeah. That they have arrested someone. And I was like, yay, buddy, this is your chance to go national. You're no longer a local reporter. I really and he's very likable. He's great. No. So then we meet a woman named Casey. This is where we start to get background on Brian. She went to college with Brian, and she is but in no, shock. But no, Keith sets us up for this before the commercial. He tries to tell us, we're finally going to get to talk to two people that knew him very well, because I guess nothing is known about him. Is that true? Is not really anything known about this guy? It was yeah, just like well, all of we're a sudden still just figuring things out. So all we're getting is stories, secondhand stories, because his family has not spoken. I see. So... It's just second. And I don't think he had a lot of close friends. So these are mostly people. I think he was a loner. And so these are people from his past or schoolmates, things like that. Got it. So Casey went to school with him. And when she finds out, she goes on TikTok. Because where else are you going to go when you're in shock? Is everybody and on TikTok? I guess we are, but it, I don't do very much. No, I don't know TikTok. 
so he's she says you know we went to high school together he was an overweight kid he got bullied for his weight but Uh i thought he seemed okay she thinks he may have had a crush on her she he gave her a compliment on her tear that she dyed red he said oh it's more red than orange I think he, he was reassuring her. Maybe he did have a crush on her. I think he sounds very awkward. I think he sounds a bit like an incel. So it's not really a compliment, I guess, is what I'm saying. He doesn't know how to compliment. No, awkward around women, no, awkward. for sure. And so they stayed in touch after high school. She learned he had developed a heroin habit, which I had not heard at all about the, him. And he texted her, I'm in rehab. And then they kind of lost touch until 2017 when they met up again at a wedding. And she said he was very thin and he looked like he had his life together. And I'd like to point out for all the size beautiful people, those two things do not correspond. It's not like you don't have your act together if you are size beautiful. Also, um, I'm sorry, but seeing someone very, very thin and they've told you they had a heroin habit. Makes me that, think they don't have their life together. together. Also, I don't like the heroin thing. Oh, if you haven't heard that before, I thought maybe that was common knowledge that he had like struggled with heroin. I stayed very far away. We should really ask Jake if he has heard about the heroin thing. Well, we saw the text, though. We saw the text chain where he writes, I'm in rehab. That doesn't mean that he's in rehab for heroin. No, that's true. So that's what I... Did she hear from someone is this actually out there or is this her hearing that through the grapevine and being like, I heard he was addicted to heroin. And sure enough, when I texted him, he said he was in rehab. Mm -hmm. Rehab's for all sorts of stuff. Yeah, that's true. So she gave him a hug at the wedding and she realized how he was very awkward and uncomfortable. And he told her he wanted to study criminology. She said that he stayed by himself the whole night and didn't talk to anyone really except for her. And there's a photo of him sitting at a table at the wedding by himself and oh boy, that was crazy. It was, but I was also like hashtag relatable. That is me at most social events, or at least how I feel at most social events. So another former classmate, Madison, studied with him at a private Catholic college in Pennsylvania. And she, again, thought in his mugshot, he looked thinner. So they had taken this criminology class together. And the way she describes this is so perfect. It paints the picture perfectly. She said, anytime the teacher asked a question, his hand was the first up. And then he wouldn't stop talking. He would keep adding points of how he knew better what was ta- what was what they were talking about. And people would be like, well, he raised his hand. So this is going to take the rest of class. No one else is going to get to talk. Great. So it annoyed everyone else. He was I feel like he said actually a lot and oh, mansplained boy. a lot. I feel like he mansplained to the teacher, to the professor a lot. Just that kind of guy. We all know that kind of guy. We do. And she said she would catch him looking at her a lot. Always. She would just turn around and he would be staring at her. But she would. he would never come and talk to her. And she never saw him outside of class. She never saw him in the library, in the cafeteria. It was just in the classroom. So strange incel, allegedly. What else do we know about him? What else has come out? Is he a World of Warcraft guy? What is he into? Right, right. Does Somebody, he have hobbies More or people friends? have to have come forward. Does he have any friends? Right. I don't know. So then we get the best ad placement ever, better than ours, and ours are pretty good. <laughs> we go to ad break, and there's an ad for the University of Phoenix online university. Was there? And if there were ever 
a better place for an online university. Hmm. So Brian got a master's in criminal justice and moved to Washington to get his PhD. And we meet a Washington State student, Peyton, who has long flowing locks. And between him and John Webb, you know we have to talk about prose in this episode. Oh, yes. Most of you have probably heard us singing the praises of prose on this podcast because prose is the world's most personalized hair care. And switching to a custom routine from prose was one of the best things I've ever done for my hair. And the results that I see... And the results that I am seeing just keep getting better and better every year that I use it. My hair is not only softer now, but it feels stronger. And when you have overprocessed hair, stronger is a really, really tall order. Mm. But trusting the pros at pros has done wonders for my hair. And that's because pros knows there is more to you than just your hair type. Pros has given over 1 million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz, which is how I got started. I use a shampoo, a conditioner, a pre-shampoo a few times a week. It's a pre-shampoo treatment. It's very cool. If you don't know about it, find out about it. An incredible hair oil that might just be made of delicious musky, sandalwoody, scented magic. I mm. love my hair oil. And by analyzing over 85 personal factors, Pros has handpicked clean ingredients that gets you closer to your hair goals and me closer with every wash. The quiz consultation that gets that perfect hair formula for you asks all these questions that make up your unique Pros formula. Things like, what's your zip code? What's your diet? What's your damage level? Don't judge me. Mm-hmm. My favorite feature is Pros' review and refine tool, which lets me tweak my formulas for any reason in case I change up my address, which I am definitely prone to do. If I change <laughs> my hair color, which I am also very prone to do. No one gets her address because she's in WITSEC except for Pros. That's correct. Or if I change my diet. As a carbon neutral certified B Corp, Pros is an industry leader in clean and responsible beauty. All of their ingredients are sustainably sourced, ethically gathered, and cruelty-free. They are also the first custom beauty brand to go carbon neutral. Yay! And look, if you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care you've ever had, they will take the products back, no questions asked. This is a win-win, no matter what your damage level. Pros is the healthy hair care regimen with your name, all over it. So take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash date dateline. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash date dateline for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. It's 2023. Strike a pros with me. Pros, 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 pros. Thank you, pros. Thank you, pros. It's wintertime here, and it actually feels like winter here, which is incredible. There's rain. I have to wear socks when I sleep, or I get to wear socks. Yeah. Usually I can't because it's too hot. Close your eyes, everyone, unless you're driving while you're listening to this, and (laughs) picture socks and underwear and T-shirts that feel cozy like a fireplace and soft like a cloud. The key word is cozy or huga in Swedish. I believe we've talked about huga before, which is the concept of just cozy warmth that makes you feel all safe. I love it. And this is what Bombas specializes in. Bombas items are seamless and tagless because you know what's not huga? Rashes. No. Itchy. Itchiness. Not not huga. 
No. And tags drive me insane. Yeah. I know that sounds spoiled, but have you ever had a tag ruin your day? Because I have. It doesn't sound spoiled. It sounds truth. It sounds human. Thank you. They're annoying. Bombas uses luxuriously soft materials like merino wool, pima cotton, even cashmere. They have slippers made with fuzzy Sherpa. My underwear and t-shirts are my favorite. They are the first to wear out of the wash always. Yeah. My goal will be to have one for every day of the week. So I'll just literally have the whole wash be Bombas. Amazing. And if you do winter sports, the word sports is mm -hmm. that the word like things outside bombas makes temperature regulating clothing so you can get comfortably sporting bombas not only keeps you cozy all winter they also give back to people in need socks underwear and t-shirts are the three most requested items in homeless shelters and for every item you buy bombas donates an item wow go to bombas.com slash date dateline and use code date dateline for 20 percent off your first order that's b-o-m-b-a-s dot com slash date dateline and use code date dateline Bombus, 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 ahuga. <laughs> Thank you, Bombus. Thank you, Bombus. So the young lad, Peyton, with the long flowing locks, Brian was his TA. So he has known Brian more recently than all these other past schoolmates. Mm -hmm. And he was not a very popular TA. No. He would leave class right at the end. He wouldn't stop to answer questions or socialize with people, but this long flowing locks gentleman says no one really wanted to talk to him outside of class. He was grading our papers very harshly and everyone was mad at him. He would go through their papers and we see some of them. He would leave notes. It's all digital, but he would leave like notes. And then actually I would have said this thing. And then he would mark them down because they didn't do it the way he would have done it. So People were really annoyed with him. So something that's super, is it subjective? Yes. Th what they did would have yeah. been correct. He just would have done it another way. And he so they're getting marked that. down for that. Wow. Yeah. So it very mansplainy again, like in his yeah, comment that's section. Real, that's you know? real annoying. And then suddenly out of nowhere, his grading style completely changed. He was giving everyone hundreds and he wasn't leaving notes anymore. And this happened right after the murder. Wow. And Keith is just flabbergasted by this. And John, the podcast psychologist guy, says, well, if the killer had fantasies of revenge for years and they these fantasies that were unfulfilled had stressed him out so much, when he finally got this release, his behavior would definitely change. And I think maybe if he's a serial killer we've seen before, there's like a period of cool off. Correct. Where, the, But then the tension starts to build up again. And usually quicker. Yeah. yeah. And that, so, yes, it gets quicker in between when they escalate. But so then the question also becomes, is this something that you can also say if he felt guilty? Mm. So if he, he did this. He's trying to be extra and, nice. Right. He's not a sociopath. He actually has feelings about this. Would this be something that he was so tormented by this other thing that he couldn't put any even focus onto this grading thing? So he was barely even reading them. Oh, he wasn't doing it to was, be nice. He just he stopped caring. He was tormented. Right. Yeah. He was, maybe he was stressed because they were looking for him. Could and be that too. He lost, left the sheath at the house. So yeah. he was super tormented about that. Mm -hmm. That's possible. 
So internet sleuths are now trying to connect Brian to the crime. Now that they know who they think it might be, they want to prove it. So there's a man in a blue coat at a vigil on security footage, and they think it's him. So they're trying to find out who he is in his name. Honestly, frankly, guys, what are you doing? He looks nothing like Brian. Not he's not even in the same age range. What? How old is Brian? Maybe 30s? Yeah. This guy's clearly in his 50s. Oh, see, I thought he looked younger, but I still know it's not him. I mean, it's I can not tell him. from you, internet guys, step up your internet sleuthing game because nah. that's not him. And you probably ruined this poor guy's life. He's just a guy in a blue coat. And then there's a Facebook account, Papa Roger. Oh, boy. So Papa Roach, is, I mean, Roger. has what is Papa Roger? Is that a euphemism for paparazzi? I, nope. I actually have. There's actually info from Dateline producer. Papa Roger had posted a lot about the Idaho murders on Facebook and such. Mm -hmm. And there's a drawing that he posted of an old, it's like a drawing of an old army uniform, a man in an old army uniform. And it looks just like him to the side. That's what he looks like. He doesn't look like the guy in the blue coat. But these posts are really what get people. He's aggressively posting. He's posting that the police must have found a knife sheath. And that's how they know about the knife. And this was well before they had announced that they had found a knife sheath. And he would get into arguments with people who said, why would you be dumb enough to leave a sheath? And he says, well, what are you going to do? Carry a knife around by itself? And he would get mad when people would question his intelligence or knowledge on the subject and he would encourage conversations like he was obsessed he wanted to talk about it he wanted to argue about it with people and he wanted to know what people's theories were about the timeline and was the date chosen on purpose and things like that after the arrest papa roger went silent stopped posting then there was a post from months before the murder just a few months before the murder where he says he's doing a project on convicted criminals. So he's asking for any criminals out there to let him pick their brain and ask why, what emotional and psychological traits influence decision making when you're committing a crime. Why did you choose that victim over another victim? After committing a crime, what were you feeling? But he is also studying criminology. So that's not like that weird. That actually seems fairly normal. But people thought that was really suspicious. He's also really specifically looking, obviously, for certain cr- kind of criminals. Yeah. He's looking for people who have killed or hurt people in a serious way. And it seems like people who have killed strangers. And Correct. Not, which or, is a rare, which is actually a very small percentage of murders. Or possibly someone who has essayed other victims. That's what it, it seems to be. But those people aren't, well, maybe they are hanging out in chat rooms. I don't know. Yeah, they are. Everyone wants to know what his motive was. And then they release the affidavit. It's unsealed and they get like a little bit more answers, but still not really any answers about the motive. But the the, it's an 18 page affidavit that the state releases. And the big thing is it starts with the account of one of the surviving roommates. And we have heard nothing. They have not spoken at all. And that I 100% understand, cannot imagine how they feel right now, but people were really going at them, wondering why they weren't talking, saying that they were involved, horrible things. So Dylan, her account, she says she was awoken at 4 a.m. 
by what sounded like Kaylee playing with her dog, and then a voice saying, there's someone here, and then crying, and then a male voice saying, it's okay, I'm going to help you. And Dylan said she opened her door, and it's a man in black clothing and a mask walking towards her. She stood in frozen shock. The man walked past her and towards the backsliding door. And she doesn't know if the man saw her or not, or we're not clear if the man saw her or not, because everyone's wondering why she was left alive if he saw her. So then she locked her door and hid in her room. Now it is eight hours before someone calls 911, which people are obsessed with. And they think it's so suspicious why it took that long to call 911. And the call to 911 said someone is here unconscious, not someone has been stabbed and there's blood everywhere. They're clearly dead. So this is my big question for Jake. This is all we hear about the 911 call. Was it a male or a female who made the call? A female, I think. Because there were only females left in the house. Sorry, so was it for someone from the house or someone that came to the house? I think it was one of the girls. If it's eight hours later, then it's fully daylight. Yeah, it was almost noon. But the thing is, well, again, on Twitter, there are people saying, leave the girls alone. There is a trauma response that happens in that situation. You might black out and not and just freeze and not know what's happening. You might be in denial There might have been people there all the time. There were people and parties there all the time. You might have just been so drunk, not knowing what, disoriented, middle of the night, not know what happened, fell back asleep. Thought it was a dream. Thought it was a dream. There's so many options. It doesn't mean that there's something suspicious. We just don't, no one knows what you would do in that situation. And I have a pretty strong feeling both of these girls are going to have to go through a trial. So let's just... They're going through hell, I'm sure. Survivor's guilt. I'm sure they are. And and now they're going to have to go through a trial. So ads from survivor's guilt is horrible enough. And then add the world internet thinking that you're somehow involved because you were left alive. Yeah, this is rough. This is going to be brutal. And they're young girls. Yes, they are. This they're is going to be brutal. They're young, young girls. They were also maybe drinking underage. They don't want to call the police. That's well, how what... old are they? These aren't that young of girls. They're Remember, they're older. They're probably seniors, right? Some of them. No, I think some of them were younger. Let's look it up. I just have a feeling you would think you had dreamed it. Something that makes that, sense, too. that trauma-inducing. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, this is so not part of your world that it's mm-hmm. just confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think just pure shock and you're like, I must have been imagining this. Yeah. This isn't, and you try to rationalize. Like, I'm sure it's not what I thought it was. Absolutely. Plus, you heard someone say it's going to be okay. It's just very strange. But you did see a guy in a mask. I don't know. It's just. Well, the internet needs to leave leave them alone. They were both 21. Okay, so they were of age. Hmm. Ethan was 20. Zana was 20. Madison was 21 and Kaylee was 21. Oh, boy. So two of them were underage. The vested retired FBI guy, I don't know if I've mentioned him before, but he's another one of our experts. He's now a professor. He says that Brian had studied behavioral things, and that's why he knew to calm her down so she doesn't scream. And he's saying everything's going to be okay. And he had a very calm demeanor, like maybe he had acted this out in his head, practiced it, etc., He left the sheath by accident, though. Kaylee's parents really hope that 
their girls, which is so sweet that they call Maddie one of their girls just because they were best friends. Really that sweet. one of their girls got it from him and sell- helped solve the case. That's what they hope happened. I hope so, so too. I hope, we, I hope that's right. We meet a former president of this law association. He has read the affidavit and said that it's a very solid case. Kaylee's parents say they have no interest in a plea deal and they're hoping for the death penalty, which that state does have the death penalty. Mm -hmm. But they do want answers like why he didn't actually know any of them, but he had been watching them for months. So he probably became maybe became obsessed with one of them. It could be someone he had spoken to maybe at the restaurant where they were two of them were servers there or he had just seen one of them and created this sort of relationship in his head or he may have asked one of them out was rejected by them incel behavior the professor fbi guy with the vest thank you i love a vest thank you because lester's not doing a vest i need someone to do a vest and this guy comes on at the very end yeah yeah he says the psychology for him is to be around to like when he was so close that he could connect to their Wi-Fi. He said he digs that. That would be his pattern. It would be very satisfying for him to be able to get that close. So students are now returning to campus for the second semester and they feel safer now. And we meet three random students who are very happy to be home and to be learning. The All we know about the trial so far, the prosecutor has a huge white fluffy beard, like cotton candy beard. Yes. So I'm looking forward to talking to him when there's no gag order. Brian's attorney wants to push the preliminary hearing to June because there's so much evidence to go through. So that's that's very interesting. Yeah. And so it's going to be in June. His attorney is a former prosecutor with a very good success rate. She's obviously not allowed to talk to Dateline either because of the gag order. Kaylee's parents get gifts and letters from all over the world, and she wishes she could tell them how much their lives had touched other people and how the whole world is kind of talking about them. It's very sweet. This must be horrific for them. I can't imagine. I can't imagine something. First of all, it's just happened. Just happened. And and they're your, strong your whole to go world on has changed and everyone's talking about it. I knew that everyone was talking about it before this started. Even people who don't know the case have heard of it. My sister people are talking about it today when I told her, I said, do you know about the case in Idaho? And she started to try to talk to me about it. And I said, stop. Yeah. But even she knows about yeah. it. I've had people who find out about the Dateline podcast and they're like, what's going on in Idaho? Do you know? They've just at, like, I know something. Right. I don't know anything. No, we don't. We don't have any inside. So now we know a little bit. And hopefully when we talk to Jake, we'll know a little bit more. I think I'm going to go ahead and send him the questions beforehand. Yeah, sure. So that we can get some. Just if he's been following it, he might have. He might know what's what. Absolutely. Or you might know what people are saying, which mm-hmm. is also very different than being correct. Totally. So let's one, just... Yes, we should stress that. Be clear about that. This is going to be one of those that until that trial starts, it's going to be a lot of stuff just keeps coming out. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Can you tell me what Dateline producers said? Oh, are we skipping everything else? No, if you have anything important... Folks, I think maybe just for this one, we should do a light sort of extras just because yeah. the case is so fresh. It feels a little in bad Yeah, taste. we have the normal B-roll bonanza, the regular things, walking, looking out the window. Everything, honestly, is pretty, yeah. The fashion police, I do want to mention the podcast woman is wearing a neon yellow green dress or shirt that is so bright, hmm. but she made an impact, and that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, my titles are terrible. I don't even have to do that. I felt like it was in poor taste. I have like one good one. Yeah. And I still, I'm not going to say it. I think it's, this is just, again, these are young people. It's really tragic. And there's so many. It's not just one person. It's four people. Yeah. and Four families that are destroyed. Yeah. And all those friends. I can't, I can't imagine if this was four of my college friends that I love. Like, I can't imagine. Like, think about that. When we were in college, if this had happened, I mean, it would change your life forever. Forever. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just really, it's unfair. And of course, people want answers. Mm-hmm. And so of course, that's why also why the internet goes crazy is people don't like it when things don't make sense. I don't like it when things don't make sense. Yeah. It doesn't, it feels like something's wrong in the world, right? And everything about this is like these picture perfect. There's this photo of the roommates before they go yeah. to the game. They're just all good. It looks like an Abercrombie ad. They're Literally. just yeah. really good looking, young, all American apple pie kids so then in sororities and going to college like right track you know yeah not high risk yeah and so then it just feels like this is evil right and so then people really try to figure it out but just everyone let's wait stuff's coming we know so what do we find out on the twitter sphere what are people Um, saying Melissa says, I think the Holt hanky is staying around. And I was impressed by that. But I don't know if I want to give it a nickname because I'm still so bitter about it. Mm. So I'm torn. Holt kerchief. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to try. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try too. All right. Bella Italiana says she thinks that the one of the survivors thought that someone just brought a guy home. And that's who was leaving. I don't know why she thought they were wearing a mask, but... I don't know much about the mask, if it was like a balaclava or if it was like a COVID mask. But again, would you just think, I saw, I didn't really see this? Right. Would you think, oh, did I just imagine a mask? Was I dreaming and but woke up and then saw a guy there with a mask? coming and going all the time. They were having parties there when there weren't even the people who lived in that house there. So people would just show up, I think, and maybe crash on their couch and then just leave. You know, like someone d- was drunk and stumbled in and then slept on the couch and you wake up and they'd be on your couch. And you're like, hey, Tom, mm-hmm. I think that sort of stuff happened all the time. Or so you would probably think it was nothing or that you imagined it. Yeah, it sounds like a weird dream. A guy with a mask and the dog and crying, you would maybe just think it was a dream. If you right. were drunk, too. Well, yeah, if you had been drinking or if you were just, I don't know, a heavy sleeper. Yeah. And you sort of woke up and heard something weird and then came out and then got scared. Mm-hmm. You would, your brain would force itself to mm-hmm. think it was something else, right? You know, your brain sort of does that with you when you're afraid. Mm-hmm. You're like, it feels like you're in a movie. Yeah. Someone really dissed Dateline and was like, this is the worst episode I've ever seen. Did you show this? And you talk, you didn't know and blah, blah, blah. And Shane Bishop, who we've met, his so Oh, nice. I love it. Producer. I saw that this was produced by he Shane. He goes, yeah. that was 2020. Please don't make that mistake again. Thanks. Wow. I know. He came in so hot. I'm so glad. Good for you, Shane. Yeah. You get him. And then he said, reading Redditor's surprise at all the new information we reported tonight is a dish I'm enjoying immensely. Oh, good. Yeah. So obviously Dateline did break some stuff. Yeah. This is some new items. Yeah. I think more than the 2020 did. I haven't watched the 2020 yet, but. Leah Rodriguez says, if I was the police, I would throw out a red herring just to get the TikTok folks out of the investigation so I could do my work. And I think that's actually crazy. Like, be like, it was an alien, you guys. <laughs> Area 51, and then have them just go nuts. And then you have all the time, you can relax and just do your work. 
think it's smart. I wonder if there was a way to do that without f- pointing to something, like to make up a fake person. That's why I'm saying an alien, because it wouldn't harm yeah. anyone. You're not doxing anyone. You're doxing a fake alien. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'll skip that part. Okay, so someone said, what I want to know is how the accused killer killed four people by himself. And someone else responded, daddy. So people, some people think that his dad was involved or know something or was there. There's no proof of that whatsoever. Is that why I was, when immediately after I clicked on this and typed in his name, something came up about a co-defendant? Yeah, but he's not. But that's so, not true, right? No. That can't be true. No, but that's another rumor that's flying around. I think uh, Ted he, Bundy did. Ted Bundy did. I think it happens a lot. If people are sedated from alcohol and whatever and sleeping and you go one by one and do it pretty fast, I think maybe they didn't scream or wake them up. You had this knife we, and you said, don't scream or I'll kill you. Sorry, we also don't know anything about these crimes, right? Very we, little. I mean, we there were defensive wounds, if, though. Which makes you we think do know that, that? We, yes, there were it says on Dateline there were defensive wounds, so he didn't kill them while they were sleeping, and they didn't he didn't kill them while they were tied, no, at least we don't know that they were tied, no, so also sixteen um, minutes if we're yeah, gonna go by the car very fast, yeah, very quickly, four people had a plan, mm-hmm, interesting, okay. mm-hmm. also, this could have been a time thing. The other two girls in the house could have been he knew he needed to leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It could strictly be time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, again, this is I am so conjecturing. I yeah. don't know. But uh, under no circumstances do I think that they were involved. No. And we have no proof to say that the parents were involved. That's a real don't do that. Yeah. You don't. We don't know that. Independent Texan says, before tonight's Dateline, I had never heard the term internet sleuths, and now they're on my hate list. Number one, child molesters, rapists. Number two, human traffickers. Number three, internet sleuths. Number four, Houston drivers. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. They've never heard the term internet sleuth? No. I Where have they? Come on. Oh, boy. They are everywhere. Yeah. So Murderish, who is a friend of ours, Jamie. Well, fr- she's a podcast friend. We've met her at CrimeCon. She's very nice. She's a colleague. Colleague. Well, she and Paula Robbie, who is one of our listeners, said, I'm disgusted by the tweets criticizing the surviving roommate. She was a young girl in an impossible position, likely in extreme shock, terrified. She saw the killer. She couldn't know if he'd been back. Show her some empathy, etc. And Murderish says, what people don't understand what happens when someone is faced with a situation like that. Our brains rarely think the worst. It's the opposite. We start doubting ourselves and rationalizing 100%. the situation That's what I as said. normal and not a big deal. Your brain is going to flip this for you. Your brain mm-hmm. is protecting itself, right? Yeah. From the Instead of something horrific, it's actually... And you think that because you're like... Even us, even someone who talks about crime, watches crime, things like that, your brain is maybe not going to go there either. Mm-hmm. Your brain is still going to try to cocoon and protect itself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Garris Herndon said, a lie will travel halfway across the world. The truth is still lacing up its shoes. Oh, yeah. I've, read, I've heard that. But I've heard I lacing heard up its quote. boots. But I like shoes, too. That's good. That's good. Charles, our friend Charles said, I didn't know triplets were involved. That's right, Charles. <laughs> that you. is really sad, though. Really, we needed to focus on that as One well. One of the triplets, I know, is One gone now. I can't imagine what they're going through. That is, this is it's brutal. Terrific. Haley says, why the name Papa Roger? And yes. 
Dateline producer said, speculation, Elliot Roger is an incel hero. So apparently there's an online incel hero named Elliot Roger. And that I want to Google that and I'm theories. not going to. But he I says, really look it up. Oh, really? And then Haley said, I forgot about him, but looking it up, I remember now. So I think he is very famous in that community. I'm, I might be remembering it if I looked it up, but I'm not going to look it up either. So do we think that this is an incel situation? The fact that Dayline producer saying it means that it's a theory, but it may be, we don't really know. And unless he tells us, we don't know. And we still don't even know if Papa Roach, what it, Rogers was him. You know, okay. we still don't know that for sure. Okay. Mo says the sheath's about to hit the fan. Oh, that. You like yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. good. I was trying to get somewhere with sheath. Sheath is good. Yeah. And then our favorite, Cam, who does our animated videos. Yes, Cam. So amazing. Said, petition for a cute journalist to be called a cutie spondent or a journal lover to join the ranks of hot cop, prosecutie, and FBI candy. Or, then he got another idea, a re-paramorter, like reporter. I'm going to go with re-paramorter. See, you're, I you're, like cutie spondent. But we already have cutie. That's why. And also, I like the idea of bringing paramore into it. Yeah. Reparamorter. Reparamorter. It's good. Or journal lover. We could also just do reparamore. Couldn't we? Does it not need the ter at the end? I'm not sure. We're going to workshop these, Cam. We love We're it, get Cam. There. You've got We're going to get there. You the got thing. this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're good. So that's it. This episode was long and crazy. And Dateline, I thought, did a very good and respectful job with it. And there's they very still much so did. much more to come. Yeah, I think this is not going to be the last of this this year. I think we're no, probably going to get three. No, this is going to be like the Murdochs, but way less juicy and just kind of sad. Or, or Vallow. Just sad. And Vallow's coming, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm sure Because we have Vallow's trial coming. coming because so. there's new stuff. She wants to meet with Chad and she says she has an alibi and all sorts of stuff. Oh, I'm sure she's going to she's gonna flip all on him. Yeah. Yeah, that's coming for sure. She wants to meet with Chad. Yeah, I said, just lead them to separate closets and they can meet in a portal. Oh, that's good. Did that's you what tweet I tweeted. That? Yeah, only like two people liked it. Can everyone go find that tweet and give it some love? Oh, Thank I you. should go on Twitter and like that for you. People just didn't get it because they're like, what's she talking about? Portal? It was a retweet off of Nate, the reporter, Nate Eaton, who reports on this case all the time. And we only got two likes. Something like that. It was sad. I think it was the wrong time of day to be tweeting. Yeah. Sometimes, that shouldn't matter. That's sometimes quality. a really dumb tweet of mine will get lots and lots of likes, and then some get none. The ones that Josh Mankiewicz retweets always get a lot more. So maybe the I should just ask him to retweet it. I know, seriously, the, por <laughs> the portal was good. He's I really asked like us it. to retweet things for him, so maybe I can ret have him return the favor. And retweet it's got to be a good one. Again, it needs to be like it needs so to be, like, strong, really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Right. I know yours are strong too, so I guess. Yeah, I think that's a. <laughs> I think that's absolutely fine to do that. Thank you, everyone, so much. Thank you, Kimberly, for doing that very long and harrowing recap. It's a really, it's a sad case. Oh, well, I should say there's also a huge portion of TikTokers, influence, not influencers, internet sleuths that think that this, he didn't do it, that think that this is all false. We're going to talk to Jake about that, too. So we'll see if he knows about that. Yeah, they think there's no real evidence and it's all circumstantial, even though there was DNA at the scene. I don't know what they're saying about that. Yeah. Moms and murder following this? Yes, I believe. They, I don't think they've done an episode on it yet, though. 
I might need to text Melissa about this. Okay. I have questions. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Please be kind to each other this week. And every week, but especially And every week, week. but just this week. Your assignment is to be kind to yourself and others. There you go. Per your therapist who is not registered as a therapist. (laughs) Not an actual therapist, Kimberly. Kimberist. (laughs) Per your Kimberist. (laughs) A now rapist. (laughs) Two people are going to get that joke, but they are going to laugh so hard. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Tobias Funke.